This episode of Local Knowledge is presented by the Travelers Championship. Love great golf and generous giving? The Travelers Championship is for you. On June 24th through 27th, while world-class golf is taking place on the greens, hundreds of local charities will be supported in our communities. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, and many of the world's greatest golfers will be there. Join us as legends are made and communities are strengthened. The Travelers Championship, June 24th through 27th. Learn more at travelerschampionship.com. One of the great things about pro golf is there's a tournament every weekend, like literally every weekend. On the PGA Tour, they're playing in Hawaii and California in January before heading to the Florida Swing that takes you to the Texas Swing and then into major championship season. Sprinkled in during the summer are trips north before moving back to milder climates for the fall. It doesn't matter where they're playing from New Year's until nearly Christmas. The point is they're playing. And when one season ends, there's barely a pause before the next begins. But the players themselves don't play every week. Between fatigue from competition and the strain of travel, it's just not possible. And when they choose to take their time off can be problematic for individual PGA Tour stops that all want the same cast of characters to play. With so many options for these guys to tee it up though, something's gotta give. In the era of the wraparound golf season, the 2020-2021 PGA Tour schedule contains exactly 50 tournaments. 50, five, zero. That's a lot of golf. And as a result, it's easy for a regular event to get lost in the shuffle. So how does a tournament stand out? And what are the things one can do to ensure the sport's biggest names show up and keep returning year after year? I'm Alex Myers, and this is Local Knowledge, where we take a deep dive into some of golf's most compelling stories. On this episode, we'll examine the behind-the-scenes chess game that PGA Tour events play in order to make their mark and put on the best show possible. We'll look at what a tournament director needs to do to attract top talent, and we'll hear from tour pros who have to decide which tournaments are worth their time and which ones aren't. The Travelers Championship has a long history, but has clearly been one of the regular events on the calendar to grow in stature of late. World number one Dustin Johnson is the defending champ. Jim Furyk shot the PGA Tour's only 58 back in 2016. And who could forget Jordan Spieth's winning bunker shot and chest bump with caddy Michael Greller the following year as an amphitheater of fans surrounding TPC River Highlands 18th hole lost their minds. Right at it. Right at it! Oh! oh he's Spain. done it again! Just as he did at the John Deere for his first win. Unbelievable. Those are the types of memorable moments that tournament directors like Nathan Grube crave. Of course, there's only so much he and his staff can do to produce them. Listen, that's just great planning uh, on the tournament <laughs> staff. You know, we talked to Jordan beforehand. We talked to Jim. No, I mean, to your point, I mean, that's, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather be lucky than good every single day. I mean, the fact that, but all we try to do is we try to set that stage, right? We try to say like, look, have we done everything we can to one, be at the right golf course, to have the, you know, the right number of fans there to have like, how do we do our part to where we set the stage and then the best players in the world can perform. First, a quick history on how we got here. 
the PGA Tour schedule didn't always consist of 50 tournaments. And while the four majors have all been placed since at least 1934, the year of the inaugural Masters, plenty of other big events have popped up on the schedule in recent years. Now there are the four World Golf Championships and the FedEx Cup Playoffs. There are invitationals like the Memorial and even an additional team event like the President's Cup, which was first played in years opposite the Ryder Cup beginning in 1994. A top player in today's game essentially has 12 to 15 events baked into his schedule before he even takes a look at his calendar. That gets a player to the minimum 15 events required to be a PGA Tour member without any regular tour stops. And because of the prize money up for grabs, not to mention all the other sponsorship opportunities available, these guys don't really need to play much more than that. That wasn't the case in 1952, when the tour's Hartford stop started as the Insurance City Open. The stars of that era played fuller schedules, something the tournament's impressive list of winners proves. Names like Arnold Palmer, Sam Snead, Lee Trevino, and Billy Casper have all hoisted a trophy in Hartford during a time when players often traveled in cars together rather than on the private jets you see today. To help protect its regular events, the PGA Tour introduced a rule ahead of the 2016-2017 season. It stated that any player who didn't play 25 events the season before had to play at least one event he hasn't played in the previous four years. That's helped funnel big names to different tournaments, but it's not a failsafe for all of them. And although modern star golfers don't need regular PGA Tour events like they used to, the areas that host these tournaments still do. The Travelers is a big deal to a place where no other major sports exist. It's also an important source of income, charity, and even pride. But fair or not, status on the PGA Tour, both for players and events, is of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately variety. It's hard to carve out your place, and prior to Travelers taking over, the tournament had been the Buick Championship at a time when the car company sponsored four PGA Tour events. Talk about getting lost on the calendar. So how does a tournament differentiate itself today amid such a full schedule? And how does it go about setting that stage Groob talked about? A tournament director and his or her staff has a lot to do to get ready for that one week of the year, and they oversee other smaller events during the other 51 weeks. In fact, Groob says the rest of the year almost isn't enough time to be fully prepared. In a perfect world, you would have like two years to plan each event. Like in mm. a perfect world, if you could have 24 months to plan an event, like that's a really good cycle. And then there comes this point, probably about six months before the event. So kind of that halfway cycle where you're six months past your event, six months before you start the folder for the next year. Because mm. even six months to go, you, it's not enough time to do some of the ideas. Tournament staffs cover everything from marketing for the event to arranging player transportation, to lining up tournament volunteers, to setting up fan experiences around the course. There's no detail too small, right down to planning what's on the menu each day and where to put the porta potties. It's messy and it overlaps. And I mean, there's just so many nuances to it. I mean, we never do, I don't think any tournament would say this, you never do the same thing twice, right? I mean, like every part of the year is something different. And I think that's, you know, it, it drives some people out of the industry and it pulls some people into the industry, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, uh, but it's fun. I don't, I don't know what else I would do. Luckily for Groob, he doesn't have to worry about that as he prepares for a 17th edition of the tournament under his successful watch. After graduating from Auburn and realizing quickly he wasn't going to make it as a tour pro, Groob got into event management and eventually became the tournament director of the PGA Tour's Southern Farm Bureau Classic in Mississippi. Since moving to the tour's Connecticut stop, Groob has developed deep ties to the area, 
and especially the local charities the Travelers Championship benefits. Not surprisingly, that's a common theme among tournament directors and Groob's long tenure isn't unusual. So I would say you probably have a lot of tournament directors, I actually haven't done a survey on this, but I'm just thinking in my head of my, my colleagues, there's a lot of them that have been there a while because kind of when you get into it, it's, it's like it becomes party, right? You know the people at the charities that you benefit, you know, and there's this direct connection between, man, if we do our jobs better, more, for me, more kids are gonna be able to go to camp at hole in the wall game camp, if I do my job better, if our team executes and if we have our profit margins right and we can sell this event the right way, we're gonna generate more funds. And guess what? Those are the people that are gonna benefit. So is it a contentious world among PGA Tour tournament directors? Quite the opposite, actually. As Groove points out, the tour's not-for-profit business model makes it much different from other major professional sports. There are no teams. There are no team owners. There are simply different sponsored tournaments, which all have the same goal of making as much money as possible to help their local community. As a result, Group says there's plenty of communication and help between events all across the country as they try to improve on their product each year. I think any good idea that we have had, we probably stole it from somebody else and then put our spin on it. And then, but it's one of the greatest groups of people from that standpoint. Like mm. none of us tournament directors look at each other as competitors from that mm. standpoint. If Tracy West did something at her event, she's the first one to go, hey, here's what worked and here's what didn't work. If Allison Fillmore or Julie Tice, like if they say, hey, does anybody know what to do about this? Or you guys should try this. We found this super successful in our market. And like you find that all over the country, Steve John out in California and Chris Hoff, like they will share ideas and we will all talk. As an example, Group says a group of tournament directors received a lengthy email last year from Michael Toth, who oversees the Charles Schwab Challenge. That annual stop at Colonial Country Club had been the first event of the PGA Tour restart following a suspension of play due to COVID-19 and Toth outlined a list of things to be aware of when hosting a tournament during a pandemic. All the tournaments, I think, definitely got, I don't want to say smarter. They, they, they are going to be more, um, they're going to learn from this. Like, they're going to learn from this going, okay, you know what? We had to rebuild. What have we done just because we've always done it for the last 20 years? You know, do we really need to feed all of our people that way? Mm -hmm. Like, do we really need all shifts to be scheduled that way? Do we really need stuff? So it was, um, it ended up being a very healthy exercise where I think we're all going to come out of this in a, in a stronger place. I think the product, you know, the PGA Tour event that we produce is going to be a better PGA Tour event. But it's, um, I mean, it was hard. Group faced a different sort of challenge shortly after Travelers took over the title sponsor ahead of the 2007 event. He vividly recalls a press conference at the time where he was asked the following two questions from a reporter. What are you going to do with one of the worst dates on the calendar? And what did you do to piss off the PGA Tour? The tournament had been played in July or August for most of its existence, but now it had been assigned a late June date, which is typically a lovely time of the year in Cromwell, Connecticut. There was just one slight problem. It was the week after the US Open. As you can imagine, the week immediately following a major championship poses some problems in terms of putting together an elite field. It's even less desirable than immediately preceding a major, since many top players are looking for a final tune-up ahead of one of golf's four biggest events. But some tournament has to slot in there. Throw in the Olympics every four years now, and, well, 
It is a complicated process. So, I mean, the tour has their hands full when it comes to moving people around and we got to tweak this date. So, um, I, you know, jockeying, I, I don't know what the right word is for it. I mean, I think there are certain tournaments that really, you know, love certain dates right. and said, like, hey, this is a date for us. But I, I would not want to be in that room trying to figure out a domestic schedule for PGA Tour events because you make one move and it's like, okay, what's the domino effect of that? Groob says he and Travelers Executive Vice President Andy Bissett accepted the challenge and quickly got to work. They believed they could attract more players by making things easier for those teeing it up at the U.S. Open. Turns out they were right. We kind of came up with it with this statement going, OK, the date does not make the tournament. The tournament will make the date. And like we kind of said that over and over again, going, this date is not going to define us. Like we will define who we are and this will be our date. Mm -hmm. And fast forward a decade, I did another interview. It was, I think we had five or six of the top 10 guys and somebody did an interview and they said, how did you get so lucky with the week after the US <laughs> Open? And I wanted to be like, where's that other reporter? Where, where, you know, where's that one that asked me that question 10 years ago? The biggest and smartest move was chartering a private plane for US Open participants and up to two guests that would take them to Cromwell. As soon as golfers finished up their week at the US Open, traveler's staff would step in and whisk them right to the airport. Someone will drop off their courtesy car and load their luggage onto the plane for them. And when they land in Connecticut, there's a welcome table with goodies for the kids. All the golfers have to do is pack their bags. The decision proved to be the tournament's if you build it, they will come moment. Lost sometimes among fans is that even the top tour pros are still people with normal life stuff going on. A lot of normal life stuff if they happen to be parents as well. I remember this was a few years ago, Aaron Baddeley was on the charter and, and he had like two kids, like one over his shoulder, one under his arm. And he gets off the charter and he's walking down the stairs and I won't try to do his accent, but he basically <laughs> says, man, thank you for making this easy. And I'm watching him literally juggling kids yeah. going, this is what he has to do every week. And we just made his life, his life a little bit easier to be able to come play here. But there's traveling for Groob as well. Like college football coaches, tournament directors make their way to events throughout the season to get face time with talent. Although Groove doesn't describe it as recruiting, but rather relationship building. We're going to go out there and just try to understand, like, what are these guys going through? What are their families going through? Like, what is it like to be on tour? How do they make their schedules? How do they, so like, we, we, we don't go out there and go up to a guy and say, hey, would you come play the Travelers Championship? I mean, we tried very hard from the beginning to say, how, like, is there anything we could do different at the tournament? Like, I remember asking Bubba Watson that question, like in 08 or so. And he was like, what? We said, no, no, no. Like, we want to know what to do different. He's like, you're not asking me to come play? We're like, of course we want you to play. But right. like, we are actually looking for feedback. Like, what do you think we could do differently? And he's like, huh. And it was just like that look on his face where it's like, oh, that's how you're going to approach this. And we have done that out from, from the beginning. Group says that approach has served the travelers well in not only getting players to come, but to come back. He also says having Beset by his side makes a big difference. He will come with me on tour and having the title sponsor with you when you're walking around is unbelievable. The players will look at a title, no offense, I'm sure they like me, but they'll look at a title very differently than they'll look at a tournament director, you know, <laughs> like they know why I'm there. Right. But you know, like they'll look at a title and it's just a very different conversation the conversations continue once the players come to the Travelers. Oh, and with their significant others. Groob remembers being proud of the tournament's daycare program until he asked one of the players' wives and got only a lukewarm response. 
It was revamped before the next year. Yep, daycare. We're talking about daycare. They actually look forward to coming to our daycare program, you know, and it was little things like what we serve them, when we serve them, activities we brought to daycare, you know, like types of entertainment, stuff like that. So I, the general thought of recruiting, we just kind of put that aside. We're like, we're not recruiting. We're trying to build relationships with players, their families, caddies, like what can we do better? And asking, like I said, asking is one thing, but actually delivering on it when they tell you something is a whole other thing. And when a guy gives you an idea or a wife gives you an idea and then you can actually do it the next year, they notice. Group says even something like picking out a gift for the wives is taken very seriously. Little things like where players pick up their courtesy cars or having info on local activities to do can make a big difference as well. But there are also situations that pop up during the week of the tournament. Gruber calls a staffer switching fridges with Charlie Hoffman when his stopped working in his hotel room, or having someone come fix Jim Furyk's cracked iPhone screen, and even replacing Chris Stroud's daughter's lost iPod that had been filled with her favorite Disney music. Now that's service. I would say our team, from player relations to volunteers, to all to our, from our title sponsor, like everybody just listens. And if there is a chance to do something different or exceptional or whatever it is, like we jump at it. We don't look at it as a pain. We look at it as like, oh, there's an opportunity. One unique way that the Travelers has increased its star power is by giving players opportunities before they become stars. The tournament has developed a reputation for targeting the top amateurs with its limited sponsor exemptions. Well, I always joke with people. I'm like, you know what? It's with, with exemptions, with these kids turning pro, it's the last time that I, as a tournament director, can do them a favor. Like ever, right? <laughs> like there will come a point, it will end, that they will ever want anything from me ever again, right? But there is this window. With the timing on the calendar, often these players use the exemption to make their pro debut. Among those who first teed it up on the PGA Tour at the Travelers in recent years are Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley, and Matthew Wolfe. Group receives 60 plus letters a year from college stars looking to receive their big break. But he recalls getting an in-person pitch from Thomas, who was hanging out with Cantley the week of his first start on tour as a pro in 2012. I remember sitting in the basement of the clubhouse the next year, because Patrick turned pro, I want to say the next year, and sitting there was this freshman from Alabama and sitting next to him and he's like, Hey, Mr. Groove, nice to meet you. Someday I'm going to play in your event. I was like, yeah, all right, good job, kid. You know, you know, like, yeah, good luck. And it's Justin Thomas, you know, <laughs> the next year, like we're giving Justin an exemption, you know, it's like the guys know each other and we try really hard to, again, to make it a big deal. Again, to use the college football coach analogy, this move is kind of like a team stacking its roster with redshirt freshmen every year. Eventually, many of those players bloom and not only add depth, but some become the main attractions. It's not to say they also can't make an immediate impact. The story of the day, an incredible performance from Patrick Cantley with a new record at TPC River Highlands, a 10 under round of 60. Take Cantley in 2011. After doing extensive research on the California native, Grube reached out to the UCLA freshman and gave him his first crack at playing in a PGA Tour event. The 19-year-old responded by shooting 60 in the second round the lowest score ever recorded by an amateur in a PGA Tour event. Not surprisingly, Cantley continues to make the Travelers an annual stop, even as he's ascended into the top 10 in the world ranking. Grube understands that golfers undergo life changes that could alter their schedules, 
but many of these players he initially helped have become Travelers Championship lifers. Webb Simpson, for instance, made his pro debut at the Travelers in 2008. So after he became a surprise winner at the 2012 US Open at Olympic Club, he didn't hesitate to keep his commitment to flying cross country to Connecticut to play in the event the following week. And sometimes the newbies can be the tournament's biggest draw. That's what happened two years ago when a ballyhooed foursome from the vaunted class of 2019 all played in the event. Heck, I even braved the rain to walk with Wolf on his first ever PGA Tour front nine, which if you know me, is a big deal. And it was awesome, you know, a couple years ago seeing, you know, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, Justin Sell, like they're all sitting on this table, right? And they're all, you know, turning pro or they just turned pro. Like we all gave them an exemption. I looked there and I'm just like, man, like we are helping to create like a very, very memorable moment for him. They're gonna think fondly back on the tournament, you know, forever. As we've touched on though, from an established player's perspective, there's far less of a sense of urgency to fill their schedule with regular events. And for most players, unless there was an event that gave them a shot at a young age, there's little reason to be loyal to one event or another. And let's remember, there are all kinds of other reasons players play particular events that we might not even consider. Some guys like certain golf courses and don't like others, or they simply need a break after playing a few weeks in a row, or they have family in the area, or their kids are off from school that week and they have a scheduled vacation instead. You get the point, stuff happens. But generally, the higher you are up on the PGA Tour food chain, the more options you have of where you want to play. Xander Shoffley, for example, wasn't recruited by the Travelers or any other PGA Tour event when he was a senior at San Diego State. But now that he's a top 10 player in the world, things are a bit different. It's pretty, it's pretty common to have tournament directors, you know, walking on the range, you know, saying hi, well, thanks for you know signing up for my event, or hey, can we, you know, right. we can see you next year, or you know their version of putting pressure on you. Um, fortunately for me, I I don't you know I wasn't I wasn't you know an amateur that had a, 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 a superstar career, so actually I I don't really have a big tie to a lot of tournaments. You know I I had a couple exemptions in the beginning of my career, which you know very fortunate and. and thankful for, but I wasn't the guy to get, you know, seven to nine exemptions and having to, you know, feel like I need to pay, pay back to these tournaments. So right. kind of lucky in that sense, I guess, if you look at it that way, but um, no, it's pretty, it's pretty wide open. No one's really, you know, putting too much heat on you to, to come show up. Will Zalatoris confirmed the power tournament directors hold over young golfers trying to break onto the PGA Tour. It's a process that was made even trickier in the Wake Forest Products case due to the tour not allowing new full members for this season after COVID-19 shortened the schedule on both the PGA and Corn Ferry Tours in 2020. As a result, Zalatoris, who was the leading money winner on the developmental tour last year, was left relying on sponsor exemptions to play. But not surprisingly, those have become a lot easier to get as he's continued to rack up top tens, including a runner-up at the 2021 Masters. It is kind of funny how I used to be you know, writing letters and uh, I, well, shoot, I used to be, it was like three months ago. I, it wasn't even that, it wasn't even that long ago. So it's just different, man. Like, it's just funny how I used to write these letters and then not get a response. And then all of a sudden that it's completely flipped 180. But sometimes there's nothing a tournament director can offer that will be enough to lure a player. For instance, Shoffley's schedule is set based on how his game matches up to a certain golf course. According to his father and coach, Stefan, Things like green slopes and fairway widths matter a lot more than any perk. 
There are times that changes, like if Xander is in a crunch to make a US team. But for the most part, he's going to play courses where he's going to feel comfortable. And Shoffley is much more interested in finding good competition to collect world ranking points than in collecting gifts. I feel old school in the sense of, you know, have us show up to a public course, we'll all hash it out and the low man, you know, takes the pot. That's sort of how I grew up playing. So if I get a, a pair of headphones or a, something like that, you know, with it, it it's really nice, but um, there isn't really, you know, anything more enticing than competition. The Travelers Championship has certainly provided good competition in recent years and good scoring, including the best score ever recorded in PGA Tour history. And a 58 for Jim Furyk, the all-time PGA Tour record. Miguel Angel Carballo had a front row seat to history. It's not so much that TPC River Highlands is that easy of a course, but compared to wherever the U.S. Open is held the week before, let's just say it's a comfortable landing spot for golfers still licking their USGA-inflicted wounds. Combine that with everything else, and is it possible that hosting a PGA Tour event the week after the U.S. Open is an advantage? Listen to Groob, and it certainly sounds that way. We love our date. We love where we are on the calendar. We love, and for a whole slew of reasons. One, like we talk about, exemptions, where the young guys turn yep. pro. Yep. We, we love kind of the identity, the identity that we've built the week after the U.S. Open. We, um, we love what this date is for Connecticut. It's kind of this kickoff to summer, right? Like people see us that third week in June, and they mentally look at us going, summer's here. Yes, like they are the beginning of summer when the tournament comes, you know? Right. Um, so I, I love our date. There's no denying Grub and his staff have done a great job of raising the event's profile in recent years. And having the rare security blanket of having travelers locked in as the title sponsor through 2030 should only help keep things rolling. But he knows they will also have to keep evolving especially as the PGA Tour's worldwide reach grows. Group says that fact really hit him when Yo Ishikawa came to play in the tournament for the first time in 2012. The Japanese phenom was followed everywhere he went by an army of media, and he attracted plenty of new fans to the course and plenty of eyeballs on TV across the world. It changed how Group and his staff approached the event. Just having to think about the tournament in more of a global, perspective as far as like who's showing up, you know, from agents from around the world, players from around the world, sponsors from around the world. Um, it's just, it's just, everything has gotten more global. Like you can't just, you know, think about what's, what's the impact of my community. It's like, okay, what's like, what are all the other implications for this? And like, what is that sponsor going to want in the 19 other markets that they're in around the world? How do we fit into that brand play? How do we right. fit into that, you know, when they're inviting guests? But again, there's only so much tournament directors can do. Players rave about the milkshakes at the Memorial Tournament, but it's not the ice cream that's getting guys to come to Jack's place every year. And once the fields are set, it's still always going to be up to the players to put on a good show, something they certainly have at TPC River Highlands over the past decade. Scan the crowd when Jordan Spieth and caddy Michael Greller did their famed flying chest bump though, and you'd likely see Groove out there, wearing sunglasses and with his hat pulled down. He'd be watching the action, but also listening to fans to try to pick up on anything he and his staff can do to make it a better event next year. The job of a tournament director never stops, but neither does the ultimate purpose of putting on an annual PGA Tour event. I love it. Every year people are so 
just they love being out there. They're proud of the event, what it means for Connecticut. You know, they, they just they, they're seeing each other, you know, like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple months. I, you know, haven't seen you like like it's just there's a camaraderie there. Like it's not just the golf tournament. It is like a reunion. Local Knowledge is produced by Gregory Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Wyman. Our music for today's episode is called Shangri-La, and it's by Keelacaster. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts. And check out Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast, Be Right. Thank you.